I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. I'm not Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. And this is 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County chapter of the National Organization for Women. And with us tonight, we have new Gaithersburg City Council member, Lorianne Sales. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, Lorianne, tell us about yourself. Well, I am a proud resident of the city of Gaithersburg. Um, we were actually named the most diverse city in the country for two years in a row, and this year we are in third place, so it looks like we need to attract some uh, new people <laughs> to the city um, to, to keep that uniqueness, that unique distinction. Um, I am married and uh, have a daughter who just started college, so we're empty nesters. We have two rescue dogs. And I am the youngest of six children, um, first generation Jamaican American, and I have a master's in public policy with a bachelor's in public health. Um, yeah, I uh, am very passionate about my community and helping others and just really making a difference and excited to... Uh, talk with you ladies this evening we are too yeah um once once the election was over and we knew you had won we felt like we could say we were rooting for you <laughs> <laughs> so so standing in the cold rain was nothing <laughs> thank you ladies and thank there's you. something there's a milestone right are you the first first african-american ever elected in the history of the city yeah, yes. which is pretty amazing since the population of the city yes. is not re well represented by a solely white mm -hmm. council. Yeah, <laughs> is that a great way to say that? I, I think so. Um, so while we are diverse in our population, our community, we weren't reflecting that through our leadership yeah. and. We're made up of over 52% women, yet no women were represented on the city council also. Yeah. So it was important to me, for me to run again, just because of that lack of representation, the lack of that voice, and how important a woman's perspective is. And I'm already seeing how important that is when, you know, we're talking about daycare centers and trying to make it easier for you know women to become entrepreneurs and just what that struggle looks like how expensive it is to take care of a child so when you have issues like that and you know most men are probably the breadwinners um and so just just trying to to bring a different perspective i thought was really important and so even though i wasn't successful the first time i ran I just kept going, and I think that really speaks to um, tenacity and drive and just not giving up and believing in yourself and knowing that something's so important that you just can't mm -hmm. sit back and allow things to continue the way they have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think being a woman shapes some of that? Definitely. Yeah. I, I think women are some of the strongest beings on earth, yeah. um, just mentally. And I think 
men underestimate us because when they think of strength, they think of it in muscles and you can't outsmart a woman. (laughs) Brains and beauty. And I think, yeah, I just, I think just, I was just telling my friend, um, you know, when you want something, you have to really speak it into existence and you have to believe it. And whether you get it the first time or not, you keep going, you dust yourself off. And I think that's what makes women so strong. We can do so much. We take on so much and rarely do other people consider us. We're always worried about everyone else. And we, I think that's, that's just how women were built. Yeah. We were built to endure a lot and we've only become stronger because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about you today, knowing that we were going to talk to you. Okay. And I was thinking about this moment in not just Montgomery County or Maryland, but in American politics and American history right now. <laughs> not, a great, not a great moment. We're all sighing. Um, <laughs> not a great moment. But do you think... As, as an African-American woman, I feel, like the, I feel like a lot of what's happening, in, especially to progressives in this country, white progressives, white male progressives especially the most, is like this shock of what's happening. They can't believe that men rape women at work and they can't <laughs> oh, yeah. believe that women get their asses grabbed when they're taking like group photos like they, they're just like in shock that any of this is even happening like do you think that's uh, it's, it's not an advantage in life to be in to be a minority or to be a, a marginalized person but like do you think that that's an advantage that as a woman and especially as an african-american woman that you're not shocked right now like do you think it's help do you think you're ready for to to like for this fight more than someone who's a white dude in shock that this is happening. No, I I just think uh, men are used to being bystanders, hmm. and I feel like a lot of people see bad behavior, but they brush it off as that's just Bob being Bob, and you know that's that dirty old man, and hmm. I think power can be abused Mm -hmm. and men have just been getting away with things and when women are victimized and felt to be felt like they're ashamed um they feel like it's their fault then you know no one's gonna come forward and i think that me too campaign was so powerful because it gave women courage like i'm not alone And I think women really saw that if I am brave enough, more people will come. Like, I feel like this is the time for women to speak up now. Like, now is the moment. And forget about, you know, how much time has passed, whether the the window of opportunity has passed. We have to be vocal because this culture has to end and it's, it's gone on way too long. You know, they're talking about what's happening out on Capitol Hill. I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen when people go back to the Maryland General Assembly. I yeah. just went to a breakfast this morning for the legislative kickoff, and 
I was shocked out of my mind to see like Matt Lauer being fired. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like the time it has come that these men cannot hide. They cannot hide behind their power. They can't hide behind HR. They can't use our tax dollars to hide and victimize women and men. Um, yeah. I just think that it's it's old. You, you, people are going to speak up and... Uh, Women need to assert themselves and know that they are protected. And I think that has to be the the culture. That has to be the environment. They have to feel safe. And I think um, until we change some of the regulations of how people are treated when they do come forward, it's going to be slow. But I, I'm really glad that women are feeling comfortable and feeling empowered and feeling like they they have some type of relief in just freeing themselves from, yeah. 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 Do you think we can, do you think there's something we should, or we are going to do or should be doing in the county? Or like, Lynn, do you think that that change is coming here? Do you think that's going to be like citizen driven or more? policy driven it has to be policy driven and you know i'm glad it's an election year and all the people that are running for like county executive you know no one's really talking about that culture but there's interns everywhere there's young students our high school students i mean it has to be from the top down yeah like we have to set a standard and we have to set a model of excellence and from the county to the governors. I mean, it just has to be a culture from the top down. Like, corporations, the president, the executive director, they need to say, we will not stand for this and make people sign a pledge, take a stand. Yeah. It, it really has to come from leadership and it yeah. has to be the people at the top. And I think that's why it's so easy now to get rid of people. It's like, you cannot just slip your hand up someone's naked back and yeah. think that that's okay. Yeah. I should just yeah. have a, fr- a slap a on my wrist. gesture. <laughs> slap on my wrist. Like, I know. I'm, I'm glad that everyone's being held accounted for. Everyone's being accountable. And it's, it's time. It's long overdue. It's long overdue. Yeah. So we were just at, the, at MLA and they were talking mm. about... Well, we heard a bunch of different ones. And was it Ariana Kelly was doing consent in sex ed? Yeah. She's yes. going to offer a bill requires teaching um, consent as a part of the sex ed wow. curriculum in Montgomery County, which was, um, I mean. In Maryland, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. Or Maryland, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Ariana Kelly. Right. Didn't they, didn't. Where it came in the county, didn't aren't they already doing it in some places in the county? And maybe that's I where... I think, yeah, maybe that's yeah. where I am. Okay. But, okay. yeah, really interesting that that's not already... <laughs> I mean, it's no better than the bill where a rapist can still have access uh, to yeah. his child. Right. I couldn't believe that that was even still on the books. It's going to be House Bill 1 this time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully... It better be. Yeah, hopefully it's, it's going <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. We are one, one of seven states... Yeah, I think yeah. one of seven states who still has it. It doesn't yeah. make sense. This is a blue state. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So our women 
legislators have a huge responsibility and they need to bring home a win. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, I'm, I don't know. Oh, yeah, obviously. They were the on the panel. They were, they were talking mm-hmm. about, well, Marcy Morales was talking about at the panel that day mm-hmm. about like being harassed by other members of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of at the state house and how she can't say anything because they're not subject to the same rules as everybody else. Yeah. Like and also because she needs them crazy. to vote for her bills. Yeah. yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's bullshit. Oh, right. She I'm can't sorry. say anything personally. Yeah. Yeah. Though, there'll be retribution. She can't say anything to HR because there is no There's regulation. No yeah. yeah. What? They're, they're not subject to the same rules. They're not rules. employees. So they don't have, they're not protected by sexual harassment policy. I thought that was just interns. No. State delegates. Yeah, she said that, <clears throat> that because they're they're almost seen as like temporary contractors that they're not considered employees. So there really is no policy. No protection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is disgusting. Disgusting. (laughs) And archaic. What in the world is going on? I know. Why haven't we introduced legislation to like protect victims? I would be oh curious what would happen gosh. if they did that. Like, how how can you turn be... over? Yeah. They said it's the year of the woman, yeah. and if men don't know how to keep their body parts and their hands to mm-hmm. themselves, then they we just need to get rid of them. Yeah, a lot more women in office, man. There was a the Michigan state the woman running for Michigan district attorney. Have you seen her ad? I can't, I can't remember her name, but her whole ad is about how she doesn't have a penis to whip out, so vote for her. <laughs> She's like, I can't show you my penis if I don't have one. <laughs> We're that's, there. That's We're the there. standard now. Yes. <laughs> the men have lowered the bar. Thank you. Thank you. You know how to prevent this? <laughs> my favorite part of the ad was she just said, if you want to learn about what I'll do, go to my website, but here's, like, what I won't do. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the alternative. The alternative. So, so scary. So tell us about you and your plans in Gaithersburg. Well, my plans. So I have a few priorities. When I was running, um, my main focus was really um, protecting our business community, or especially our small businesses. Um, we have a lot of uh, empty storefronts and a lot of different um, owners in some of our shopping centers and with Amazon and just the changing economy. It's become even more challenging for businesses to really stay afloat and keep up with foot traffic. And, you know, we're not... A bedroom community. We're becoming more urbanized in Gaithersburg, mm-hmm. but you know there are places that don't get the type of traffic that they need. So I want to make sure that our businesses feel supported, and we're a partner to our businesses, and we're a resource. Um, so that's one thing is you know making sure that our business community continues to thrive and grow and we attract and retain the right mix of businesses and we leverage our biotech corridor to make sure that we continue to um, you know beef up our innovative side of um, our businesses. Um, I'm also a 
I consider myself an environmentalist. Mm -hmm. um, I love being outdoors, and it was actually my daughter who really got me involved. She had to do a project where she wrote to an elected official about an environmental issue, mm -hmm. and we started looking online, and we saw testimony from the Muddy Branch Alliance, which is the city's only watershed, and they were talking about water quality, and so... I met with them and learned about all the other things that they do, like trail connectivity and um, how they're trying to make sure that our tree canopies are good and we have, you know, different species of trees planted in the soil um, and all these different things that are really important to um, preserving our natural resources. So I just want to make sure that as we continue to grow, because Gaithersburg is growing at a very fast pace, we have mm -hmm. almost 70,000 residents and um, got over 2,000 new residents in the past year. Wow. Um, yeah, so while we continue to grow and accommodate all of that growth, I want to make sure we balance that with our green spaces and we don't take away from our park spaces and our outdoor um, recreational um, offerings. Um, so the environment is another big priority. And then um, I want to get more people involved. Um, we have, there's farming that kids don't know about and people talk about how bad, you know, school lunches are. So Asbury Methodist Village mm -hmm. is a senior community here, and they have a lot of land, and so they're thinking about opening a little ag area, Ooh, and it that's could cool. be yeah. an opportunity for students to come and, you know, farm the land, mm. and um, they've already started something at um, Rachel Carson Elementary School, where they have a little community garden for the kids. Oh, that's so appropriate. It is. <laughs> Start them young. Yeah. Start them young. So it's something I want to see grow. And so whatever I can do to support that across the city and encourage more of our students in high school to consider um, an agricultural um, career later on, I would love to do that. Um, and then... Civic engagement with 70,000 residents and a $60 million plus budget. Yeah. We talked about this on yeah. an episode. Yeah. We have less than 10% of our population voting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very disappointing. Yeah. We make so many decisions at the city's, city level. Um, we give out over half a million dollars just in grant money to schools, to nonprofits, to individuals. Um, housing decisions. Where's affordable housing going to go? Um, we have our own police force. So um, safety issues is another concern. Mm -hmm. um, I live right around the corner mm -hmm. and Watkins Mill, I think it was, was it a month ago? The same bus stop that my daughter takes someone was just raped. Mm. Just dragged. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And I'm like, no. there's two stops there. But there's still no lighting yeah. to, um, you know, if you're taking the bus at 5 a.m., it's pitch black right now. Yeah. And so how are we supposed to tell our residents that, you know, you're in a safe environment if we're not ensuring the safety by making sure it's well lit and it's well patrolled, mm -hmm. you know? So things like that, I mean, even one incident like that can rattle a community mm -hmm. and 
It only takes one time for you to wake up and say, okay, we have to do better. These are the changes and modifications we need to make. So, yeah, there, there's... So those are just a few. Economic development, the environment, um, increasing civic engagement. And I know um, they used to have, like, voter registration before you could get your cap and gown in school. You would do that in high school. That's what I had to do when I was in high school. We filled out the voter registration forms. And so I want to see that prioritized in the city. And I really want us to kind of have our own identity um i just went to this conference the national league of cities and it was from municipalities from all over the country and i'm hearing about all these innovative ideas that they are implementing in their cities that Mm -hmm. make them unique and i'm like i want gaithersburg to be on the map not just as the most diverse city but i want us to really own our own identity and we just need to figure out what Gaithersburg really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. It's not just the most diverse city. It's I think it's more nuanced than that. And so I'm interested in really honing in on who we are and marketing our city as a destination, mm-hmm. a very yeah. unique destination. I think it has the potential and we just need to, uh, yeah. I have so many questions now. <laughs> <laughs> So many. Okay. The, the small businesses, mm-hmm. how did, like, how does a woman in Montgomery County who's either a resident of Gaithersburg or wants to work in Gaithersburg, who wants to open a small, like, really, like, I'm talking about, like, small business, like, mm-hmm. if someone wanted to, not even, like, biotech and pharma, although I know really big in Gaithersburg and encouraging women to get into STEM is Mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. Um, But if someone, like, I don't know, a woman wants to open a bakery, like, let's just Main Street it. She wants to open a bakery. Or what, what is, like, what's the process like for a woman who wants to open a storefront kind of? So I, during the campaign, I was really concerned about, like I said, the empty storefronts. And so I started going around to businesses and just asking them, you know, what's important to you? What do you need? What are you not getting? How could we better support you? And it started out with just focusing on Old Town and Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. it moved to the Kentlands and Mm -hmm. then um, we went to Rio and we had so much feedback. We're like, okay, what do we do with all this information? And so we hosted the first ever um, Gaithersburg Small Business Town Hall. Mm-hmm. So I had someone from the Montgomery County's um, Department of Economic Development. You had Judy, right? Yes, yeah. Judy Stevenson. Yeah, yes. I know her. Okay. Um, and you were at Columbian Breeze. My place. That oh my restaurant. gosh. I feel like you're in someone's grandmother's kitchen. It's so good. And it really is his Must look um, mother that <laughs> is uh, in the kitchen. Oh, it's delicious. Oh, it's so good. My yes. dad is Colombian and like right on he Main will Street. eat there so you know it's real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's so good. Delicious. Um, Sorry. Anyway. Oh, no. Small businesses. <laughs> and so we had a few small businesses there. There, There is no like one shop like one stop shop thing in place like Mm -hmm. you know we had business owners who had already opened a business and they're like oh I didn't know I had to get this type of permit or that type of permit and 
I'd like to find a way to really streamline the business process because we want the city to be in, you know, we want to welcome businesses and we want to make it easy for people to do business in the city. And so streamlining the process and making sure that people have everything they need or know what they need, just a checklist of what do I need to do before I open a business and when I open a business what are some of the requirements I'm going to be responsible for? What are the expectations from, like, um, the fire department or, you know, those things? Oh, it, it shouldn't be a, a secret. It shouldn't be mm -hmm. hidden. You yeah. shouldn't have to go to mm -hmm. one website, that website. It should just be, if you're doing business in the city of Gaithersburg, this is what you need to do. You're doing business in Montgomery County, this is what you need to do. With the state... You know, everything just needs to be more integrated. I feel like mm -hmm. it's piecemeal and mm -hmm. it's like pay a fee here, pay another fee here. Mm -hmm. And that's not making an environment conducive to doing business, it, mm -hmm. to doing business here. And so I, I'd like to see that process improved and I want to engage with our business community more. Yeah. I just, uh, put in my resignation for the economic development committee unfortunately oh, it's a very mm. sad decision but i had to step down as a uh, a member of the council but right now um that's really the only outlet for learning about economic development how businesses are attracted here and um what we do to support businesses and so we don't have anything specifically for the small business community. It's really like we're trying to attract corporations. And, mm -hmm. you know, we need a support system for those small businesses mm -hmm. who are just, like you said, just want to open up a little storefront or a bakery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what can we do to help you market your business? So I really want to do like a restaurant week or mm -hmm. an international restaurant week. Mm -hmm. because so many good places. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah. eat at a different restaurant and go on an entire tasting journey in yeah. the city of Gaithersburg. Mm -hmm. We just need to better market it. Yeah. We need to just... Yeah, actually, Gaithersburg's a lot like Wheaton used to be. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it so is. international. Yeah. It is. It is. And it, it would just be a really nice thing to do here. They do it in the Kentlands. They do Kentlands under the lights, mm -hmm. but that's one night. I'd like to see an entire week dedicated to different businesses. Just, you know, you want to have Mexican, you go here. You want Italian, Caribbean. We have everything. Mm -hmm. Asian, I mean, Indian, anything you can think of. And every night of the week, just having that set menu mm -hmm. and having people support the businesses, learn about new businesses, and just go on a tasting experience and yeah. I think that is going to just be the start of drawing people here like I want it to be food and wine I want to see like yeah. well and people people That's want to people I in. think yeah. <laughs> yeah. they don't want yes. to drive to Bethesda and drive around in circles to find yeah. a parking no. spot and they don't want to go all the way to, to DC. DC no yeah I, I envision having have you you heard of that diner in Blanc yes 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 I can see it shutting down Old Town, <laughs> having white tables yeah. on Summit and Diamond. 
and everyone just showing up and businesses just coming and yeah. selling their food and you set up your tables and people will come from Baltimore, from D.C. Mm-hmm. on the Mark yeah. train. This, That's this right, is, Mark. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. So Gaithersburg has the potential to be that city, that yeah. destination, that little small area that you can come and do a staycation and mm-hmm. it has the potential or you just need... A visionary leader to make it happen. Oh, if only we knew one of them. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of of cool stuff here. We do. And I've lived here for nine years, say nine years, about. And it was only recently, like, we've started doing, like, we went to the Ketlin's Oktoberfest, which I never knew existed. Oh, it's so cool. And, you know, we did, my girlfriends and I, a few years ago, we went to the wedding, the wedding showcase at the, at oh, the, the mansion. mansion, you know, mm-hmm. like there's so many cool things and there's so many different <laughs> sections like crown is Gaithersburg, Rio is Gaithersburg and there's different things. And yeah. I feel like the city has started because now I follow the city on Facebook Okay, and like they'll pop up <laughs> with like certain things mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a cool little place it and is. there's different things. There's yeah. always something to do here. Yeah. That's, yeah. So actually, can I ask, since you brought up Crown and stuff, I just want to ask about development. (laughs) I have a question. Yes. So what do you, this is something I know nothing about. Like, I'm not trying to, I really need to know. (laughs) Not a gotcha question. Not a gotcha question. It's a legitimate question. All of these are going to be legitimate questions. (laughs) Okay. I know zero things. Um, So... The thing that, like, just from, I grew up in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. So I grew okay. up in Rockville and Elicit did too. Like, we talk about all the time. Downtown Rockville, Rockville Town Center was totally a field. different. There yeah. was nothing yes. there. No one wanted to live near there because of the metro. And it was so dangerous to live near the metro. <laughs> oh and now it's <laughs> oh, like, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. You was, can't, you, if you lived near the metro, you had to live on one specific side. Yes, of the that's other right. Because, like, Ma- and I went to Rockville High School, so, like, uh, we had, like, Maryville Elementary like School was one of the... Rockville, or... I lived in, like, Aspen Hill, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah, but okay. I mean, I mean, ish, but I went to Rockville High School. My address is Rockville, Maryland. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, like, Aspen Hill. Oh, and wow. so, like, very, I mean, not very middle class for, yeah, that time period. Mm-hmm. So... I guess just, like, watching Rockville change, watching Wheaton change, like, like now when I drive through Wheaton, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so amazing. much development there. So what, what happens when, when develop, I'm not, I understand development's good, and we, we have a lot of people who live here, and they need places mm-hmm. to live, mm-hmm. but what happens when you're trying to make, build a, build a development that's attractive, that's going to last, that's modern, but you also need there to be like, you also need it to be affordable enough for people who are moving out farther in the county because it's too expensive mm-hmm. in Bethesda or Potomac or Rockville. How like how do you figure out the balance there? I'm really interested in that process, what? especially for women and minorities, because I feel like that's a single mom. Yes, like definitely. can't live in Crown. I don't think, <laughs> right? Well, like so, we're we're now. <laughs> Entering into the third phase of Crown. Okay. And so the third phase of Crown has, uh, in my understanding, has zero affordable housing (laughs) because um, they couldn't afford to build it, they said. Yeah. 
So how does that work? <laughs> so when Wait, you're you... building a condo and you're thinking about the condo fees that mm-hmm. go with condos, it's like they the price point just doesn't make sense and so maybe we shouldn't be building condos yeah oh yeah i know how much my sister-in-law paid in catlins for like a stacked condo that didn't have a bathroom on the first floor and i like i lived in a I lived in a townhouse that you could walk to crown <laughs> i mean it wasn't one of those big ones it was a little one and i mean and she lived in the catlin and i felt like i could walk to everything crown wasn't there yet but i could walk to target i could do yes. and the amount of money she paid for that stacked condo and the condo fees she was paying were like and i was like what do you get with those condo yeah, fees exactly like, like the pool <laughs> what is going can i get the pool house once a week yeah and yes. so i'm sure crown must be because it's newer it is it is so they do have mpd units in the first phase okay sure like similar to the townhouses but they're building a new uh, 100% condo building and they couldn't afford to put any affordable housing in there um and that's getting mark are they getting mark light or something or some kind of they're they're supposed to get the uh cct oh okay yeah bus rapid transit system and i mean that that's Part of the problem here it's like we want to accommodate all the people that are coming and we're running out of space yeah like mm-hmm. we're running out of space to build on so last year they annexed in a portion of quince orchard um and so it's called the johnson property it used to be with the county now it's with the city i lived in darnstown oh so like, you're yeah. kind of familiar people with darnstown <laughs> <laughs> have a lot to say about the Johnson property. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, not me, but me people in Bernstown. <laughs> it caused quite a controversy yes, yes. here in the city, and I'm sure until you know we break ground, it'll continue to be uh, questioned what that community will look like. Um, right now, our standard is 15% minimum. Seven and a half percent is workforce housing, and the other seven and a half is MPDUs. What does workforce housing mean? I'm sorry. So, if you're like a teacher, police officer, mm. any of oh, the same like service positions, cool. And if you make within a certain amount, you qualify for workforce development. That's depending cool. Depending on your income, yes. So, you know, my my hope is that we can start to increase workforce. Um, workforce housing set asides mm-hmm. I think it should be higher than seven and a half percent I think mm-hmm. we can bump up the set aside to 20 percent wow and maybe you know 12 percent for workforce housing and then eight percent for NPDUs yeah. um I just think a lot of our current affordable housing units need to be updated mm-hmm. um there really just isn't a lot of green space left to build on. And so every piece of property is like precious and people are looking at, well, where can I go next? Where are we going to go next? And, you know, right now it's all about density because. Well, in the roads, I mean, I know that was the thing with John, the Johnson property is 28 right there is like, it's already already so bad and it's so narrow right after. That's what people were the most yes, concerned about. It's definitely the traffic congestion and then the schools. Yeah. Like, we have some of the most overcrowded schools in the county. Although Darnstown's not overcrowded, and it's very white. <laughs> <laughs> that is my personal opinion. It's not as Bust diverse. some people in and 
Get those people in line in Darnstown. That's Germantown, so you can say anything. Well, until they... <laughs> because I was in um, uh, Saybrook, in the community of Saybrook, and there are some challenges with their whole community because mm. they're right down the street from Gaithersburg Middle School, and Julius West is like a little... Uh, it was a newer school, and so... It's so weird that the kids have to like cross a busy intersection mm-hmm. to get to the middle school while they have this school right in their backyards that none of the residents can go to mm-hmm. because of that same yeah. concern. It's like, no, we need to diversify the school community, mm-hmm. but those things can backfire yeah, in yeah. a community. And like, you know, while you're trying to help one school, yeah. you're putting another school and community at yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole history in that set of schools. Um, it sounds like you feel strongly about this, Alyssa. I do. <laughs> well, I just want all our fortunes tied together. Is that too much to ask? Uh, no, none of my That's neighbors why need you to run. <laughs> um, okay, so you were... Wait, no, I lost my thread. You said something that made me think of something else I wanted to ask you, and then I went away. We, while you think about it, so, we're thinking of buying, because okay. we rent in the next, okay. and I really like Gaithersburg, and I want to stay in Gaithersburg. Okay. So, I work right near Crown. Mm. I work in the, the the corridor that's right there, without <laughs> saying what corridor is right there. Um, so, I go to Starbucks and whatever. So, one day, I was like, oh, these are cute little townhouses. These can't be that expensive. Yes, they yes, can. And then I was like... <laughs> I laughed. I was like, oh, we're not moving a crown. Okay. No. <laughs> the base, especially. Like, our neighbors in Darnstown bought one as, like, their empty nest house so that they could rent it out now. Mm-hmm. And they have older kids. Mm-hmm. So they could just sell in their house. Yeah. They bought it a long time ago. And, I mean, I just, yeah, my jaw dropped when I heard how much it cost. <laughs> just like, no, it's not. <laughs> and they were doing, like, baseline basically everything. Yeah. And I was like, I can't. Wow. Yeah. No privacy yeah Mm-mm. no no backyard yeah yeah it's, it's beautiful inside beautiful yeah. and you can walk to a lot of things there yes. and you, i guess you'll be able to walk to more eventually yeah so i i hope we we get enough people to uh move in there because yeah. uh, we don't want to have any empty units Mm-mm. but you know that that just means that a lot of the older housing you know we're hopefully turnover because you know we we're in a condo now and we'd like to move into a single family home but there's very limited options no one's really building single family homes yeah. mm-hmm. so i know we're going to probably have to move into an older community which i don't necessarily mind cuz i'd rather live in an older community that doesn't have an hoa but the neighbors still respect their community and they mm-hmm. keep it up and they keep it safe and yeah. they're involved and engaged so yeah, it's it's a challenge, and you know, me and my husband were both college educated, and yeah. trying to find affordable housing is still a struggle. So I can only imagine what a single parent is going through, yeah. or even thinking about just getting the money together to, you know, afford that down payment. And our city does have you know down payment assistance programs, mm. so. You know, there are some incentives at the city and the county level and Mm -hmm. at the state. And I think some banks are making it easier for people to, you know, like build up their credit and join, 
um, um, uh, the credit unions and yeah so there there are ways to home ownership it just takes discipline and yeah. you just have to have patience mm-hmm. because yeah. well I remember what I wanted to ask you now because you said that again so when you were talking about housing for people who want to do civil service like yes. teach or do what about um, do you think there's ever a a role for maybe not the city but for the county obviously you're going to have some input into like or you're going to know a lot of these county council members for people who decide to become teachers decide to become police officers and stay in the community to not have to pay for college to get some money back for college like do you think that will ever happen I just feel like if it happens anywhere in Montgomery County Maryland seems like a great place for it to happen (laughs) but like I feel like that's part of the ho- the homeownership thing. Would you say like student loan, yes, repayment? And- definitely, that's a barrier. I mean, yeah. if you're struggling to pay a thousand dollars a month and interest is continually mm-hmm. accruing, it's like it's almost like you are just struggling to just stay afloat. Yeah. You can barely stay afloat. I mean. People are graduating from college and they can't get a job for like $60,000 out of college. And it's like if you're paying student loans, you're trying to, you know, pay rent. Yeah. How how can you save at right. that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the I student mean, loans are already a mortgage, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, you're investing all this money in school only to struggle for like the next 10 to 20 years. I just don't think that is a sustainable a sustainable system and we have to do something about it just Um, i just think about like how great the teachers are in the county and like how do you keep them here Mm -hmm. and how do you get young teachers to come in and replace the people who are retiring who've been teaching in the county because my mom taught in the county and it Mm -hmm. was my dad was federal government my mom taught in the county and they could afford a house in montgomery county Mm -hmm. and they could afford to send my brother and me to college and like i mean they were never wealthy but like Mm -hmm. they were fine everything was and they have great retirement and great pension like someone graduating from the university of maryland now where the tuition is it i can't believe what the tuition is it's only twenty four thousand. yes oh my gosh um that's what he paid out of state for for towson right that's what you used to be out of state for maryland Uh, however many years ago that was but me too same amount (laughs) but like to graduate from that and then want to teach in the county like, can you even live in the county? And then when it no. starts to sprawl, no. like, can you a even live in Germantown and Gaithersburg, right? Like, Yeah, a lot of our educators, I'm learning about our police force, you mm-hmm. know, they can't afford to live here. And, you know, that workforce development housing, yeah. while it sounds like a good opportunity, I don't think it's being portrayed as you know, an incentive to enter into the public service industry. Yeah, I had never heard of it. Because I've (laughs) spoken to some of the, like, officers and the teachers, and they're like, I don't want to take part in that affordable housing program. And it's like it's looked down upon instead of you're being rewarded because Mm -hmm. you're taking on a job that is, you know, taxing and it helps the community. So um, New York just implemented, you know, free free college for state schools Mm -hmm. so i just think we need to look at what other places are doing and see how we can adopt it here i've been watching this blog um 
that they're asking the county executive candidates, like, what programs would you cut mm-hmm. in order yeah. to, like, make room in the budget to get more money? And I think we just have to start thinking outside of the box. We can't do things like we've always been doing. We cannot continue with business as usual. And, you know, someone mentioned the 311 program, like... Yeah. I don't know how many people have used it. What is that? Like, it's like, like for yeah, like four one one. You get information, but it's like, you know, they employ about a lot of people, and you know, I don't know how many people actually use it or yeah. what they're tracking. And so, if we go line by line through the budget and start looking at ways to really save and innovative ways that we can change some of the things that we're already doing and just do it better on less money we can start putting money aside into a fund to really start investing in our people i mean if we have enough money to set aside to do this public financing for campaigns yeah we should be able to find money Mm -hmm. to send our kids to school for free especially yeah. if they're doing a good job at least an associate's degree yes mm-hmm. I mean, yeah if we can't sure. give our kids that then yeah, yeah especially yeah if they want to come back and live county. in the county. yeah and i don't know it just seems like it'd be beneficial to have police officers and teachers who live who live in there the and know the neighborhood and they're not strangers and they're not just coming right. to the neighborhood when there's you know an incident but they're yeah. coming because they're just checking yeah. they live there because there's maryland hope teacher scholarship but you have yes. to, it's only two years and you have to it's not Baltimore. everybody gets it hmm? yeah, is it Baltimore? you have to like work so yeah. you can be in a state you can be in a you just have to stay in the state it so in Towson so because Towson's a big teacher school mm-hmm. and I wasn't a teaching major but many of my friends were teaching yeah. majors and there was the name of something and it was somebody's name and I can't remember what it was but it was you got your tuition paid for, mm-hmm. your in-state tuition paid for, but the deal was you had to work in the city for yeah. however nice. many years. Which when is great. Ever, the most challenging. It was great if people is. wanted to take it. Right. And some people were like... But Mar- that's what Maryland Hope Teacher Scholarship is. Yeah. You have to work in Maryland. But you only, you get two years. You get your junior year and senior year. And there's a limited amount, and you have to maintain a grade point average. Yeah. Fine, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, it's the same idea we have to see in the state of Maryland. Yeah. And I'm sure they're putting you in a place where they need teachers, yeah. like I imagine. Um, that's what they would do. But I still, I don't know, just to have the opportunity is, would be huge for some people, I would think. And Lorian, that's, um, so I was staying out of state for a while mm-hmm. um, and watching the news with, a, with an individual and, you know, with, <laughs> with an individual. <laughs> with an individual. <laughs> Um, but we were having that same conversation where, it was my dad, but he was saying back in the day, like the police lived in the town, the police lived in the neighborhood. Like he remembered the police from his neighborhood and he's like, you didn't have some of the problems you have today because they knew, they knew who the The kids were. They knew the community. Mm -hmm. They knew who maybe had a mental illness and had issues and and it wasn't always just a force thing. Yeah. But he was saying a similar thing where they used to have... He's in New Jersey. He's not in mm-hmm. Maryland. But they used to have the law or the guidance where if you're a cop or a teacher in this town, you live in this town. Yeah. And he's like, and his opinion was... I don't know if that's accurate, but his opinion was when that went away, like things started kind of 
I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, it's hard to familiarize yourself with a community when that's not where you Mm -hmm. go to the grocery store, you know, go to the park, you're walking down the street. So everything is heightened at that point when you're going onto a scene and you already aren't familiar with the neighborhood or the people you're already at a disadvantage you are as i feel like as an officer because you're not familiar with Mm -hmm. the people you're policing and then the residents it you know it breeds distrust because you know this law enforcement person is only coming when there's an issue he's Mm -hmm. not coming just to check on me he doesn't know me by name Mm -hmm. and so i i remember you know growing up as a child um we really like admired and you know we aspire to be these life-saving individuals Mm -hmm. in the community these leaders like we really revered our teachers and our officers and now I feel like that there's been a cultural shift and I don't know if it's because of social media Mm -hmm. and you know we're just seeing so much negativity displayed but you know, we, we, that sense of community and this distrust has just really permeated the community. And I feel like we have to get back to building strong communities and what does a strong community look like and how can we incentivize that? What policies do we need in place to ensure that that's how communities are developing and, you know, evolving and it starts with decision makers. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. if we incentivize the officers that are in high school here and we're recruiting at the high school level, you know, not all of our students are going to go to college, but if we offer them, you know, an immediate job where you can make, you know, a livable wage and you can work in your community, you don't have to go far from home. Yeah. And you have a pension where you can mm-hmm. take care of your family. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. doing admirable work and you're just giving back to your community. Who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to be a teacher and, you know, be able to go to Maryland or at least get an associate's degree and open up their own daycare center? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there yeah. are things that we can do to really, you know, strengthen our community right here at home. And yeah. it just, like I said, takes thinking out of the box and you know just making a few cuts here and there to find the money to make things happen yeah that lends itself to working women too I feel like a lot being Mm -hmm. able to be close to home they do it's Mm -hmm. huge oh my goodness being able to work close to your home is major when you're if if you you were single mom yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. you don't have an emergency backup you are the only emergency backup you have to and then you know with the the sick and safe leave you can't take off from work mm-hmm. people are going to work sick it's just it's so important it's yeah. so important to work close to home especially when you have kids yeah so just wrap up question <laughs> how can women in Gaithersburg get more involved with you and what you're doing oh. and the work you're doing well, well, anyone really, but women. Yeah, because, you know, anyone, we like women anyone. They're <laughs> <laughs> trash. <laughs> we love the men too. We have yes. without those strong <laughs> <Yes>. men. <laughs> to 
So, so, you know, you, um, I think the first thing that I always encourage um, residents to do is join a committee. Um, if you have the time to go on Facebook and post and check, you can get lost on Facebook in an hour. Mm-hmm. And an hour will pass by. And we have about 25 committees in the city of Gaithersburg that residents can really um, get involved in and just, you know, share their perspective. An hour a month is all it Mm, takes to, Mm. you know, lend your time to your community. And, you know, I think everyone has something special to bring to these committees. And they're so important. Sometimes we have the same people, so it would be nice. Some of them, you know, their terms are two years, so... There's always opportunities to get involved. Um, and you can always just go to the city of Gaithersburg's website. You know, Which my is email is what, on there. Yeah, tell us what the city of Gaithersburg website so is. So it's uh, cityofgaithersburg.gov. Oh, cool. Or okay. you can just go to my website, lauriensales.com. <laughs> That's L-A-U-R-I-E-A-N-N-E-S-A-Y-L-E-S.com. Um, you can send me a note, let me know what you're interested in. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook as well. Um, Gaithersburg Council Member Lorian Sales on Facebook. And just reach out. Um, I am open. When I ran my campaign, I gave out my personal cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and I am looking forward to getting my city uh, cell phone number. <laughs> But I want to remain um, accessible and, you know, transparent. And, you know, I am I am the people's council member. And, you know, I'm here to serve the residents of Gaithersburg to the best of my ability. And I can't do all this work alone. There are a lot of things that I want to do for the 70,000 residents who call Gaithersburg home. And so... Any help I can get would be amazing. And so I'm just uh, excited to hear from all the people who are listening and who can't wait to get involved in Gaithersburg. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank, thank you. for having me, ladies. This is so fun. I Very learned fun. a lot. I learned a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I love how, yeah, we'll see what we'll have in, in a year. Yeah, mm, maybe we'll yeah. be planning the yeah. Dinerian Blanc. Yeah. yeah. Gaithersburg style. Um, we I love it. I tray up really high. Do you need me to serve? <laughs> my, my husband was a server for years. Oh, no, he can sing. Oh, he can sing he too. Can sing? He's uh, He used to be. Um, in a cover band, well, he was in um, he was in an acapella group when he was in Maryland, but he also used to be in a cover band. Oh, cool! And the, there were family members in the cover band, and then there was a baby, and you no know, really? life gets in the way. But yeah, he's a singer. Reunion concert. Reunion concert. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also have a book festival, so it's something else that I'm thinking mm. about is not just having it the one day of the year, but actually expanding it and inviting authors throughout the year cool. to like the coffee shop, restaurants, to do book signings cool. and meet and greets and just almost like a busboys and poets so mm. we can't have the busboys and poets we can i make you a list of my favorite it. people yes <laughs> do. 
Right, well, thank you for coming on the podcast, Lorianne. Thank you for having me, ladies. Thank you. It was really fun. I hope you'll come it back. It was. It was, definitely. Anytime. Anytime. Okay. And let us know what you need from us. Mm-hmm. So, um, just make us a list. Oh, okay. I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at, as someone, as a Gaithersburg <laughs> resident, I will look at your committee list. Oh, good. I can do an hour good. every now and then. All right. Yeah. An hour, once a month. Mm-hmm. Some meet even less infrequent. Um, so yeah, just get involved and reach out and let me know how I can be of help and be your advocate. Yay. Thank you. We're, Thank we're you. excited. Oh, all right. <laughs> so Alyssa, who is our woman of the week? Well, we're recording this episode on November 30th, and tomorrow, December 1st, is the 62nd anniversary of when Rosa Parks was arrested for refusing to give up her seat on a segregated Montgomery, Alabama bus to a white man. Uh, After her arrest, black Montgomery citizens, with the support of Rosa and Martin Luther King Jr., boycotted the city's buses and their successful campaign essentially launched the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. Not many people know, though, that nine months earlier, a 15-year-old girl was arrested in Montgomery, Alabama, for doing the exact same thing. Her name is Claudette Colvin, and she's our one of the week this week. Uh, Claudette grew up in the Jim Crow South, and as such, was acutely aware of the different ways in which white people and black people were treated. She went to an all-black school because Alabama did not desegregate its schools until years after the Brown vs. Board of Education decision. In the mid-1950s, what we now know as Black History Month was then known as Negro History Week for a week in February. Her school decided to study black history for the entire month of February, though, not just a week, because her teachers felt black people's contributions were too often erased from American history. Her heroes became Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman. On March 2nd, 1955, coming right off Black History Month at her school, Claudette, who was in 11th grade at the time, boarded a Montgomery bus with three of her friends from school. They sat in the middle of the bus behind the rows reserved for white passengers. The white seats filled up and the bus driver demanded Claudette and her friends move so a white woman can sit in their row without having to sit next to black people. Uh, Her friends got up and moved, um, but Claudette did not. So the bus driver called the traffic cops. They rode for a few stops, and a traffic cop got on the bus and told her to move. She said she wasn't moving, saying it was her, quote, constitutional right to sit there. The traffic cop and the bus driver called the police, who came onto the bus a couple of stops later to arrest Claudette. She refused to move. She later said, quote, history had me glued to the seat. Harriet Tubman's hands were pushing me down on one shoulder, and Sojourner Truth's hands were pushing me down on the other shoulder. I was paralyzed between these two women. I couldn't move. Uh, The police threw her school books from her lap, grabbed her, kicked her, and, quote, manhandled her off the bus. They threw her in the police car, handcuffed her through the windows, and brought her to the jail. The police officers were racist and sexist toward her on the way to jail. 
She said they called her Thing and, uh, quote, took turns trying to guess my bra size and crack jokes about parts of my body. She wasn't allowed to make a phone call in jail, so the only way her family knew what happened was thanks to her friends who told her mother. She was charged with disorderly conduct, violating segregation law, and assault and battery of a police officer, which is a felony. They claim she scratched a police officer if she was being dragged off the bus, but she doesn't remember it that way. The first two charges were eventually dropped, but they kept the assault and battery of a police officer charged because they knew it would have the biggest negative impact on her record and her life. She was not treated like a hero, like Rosa Parks. She was basically ostracized by her community. She attributes multiple factors to why she doesn't get the notoriety Rosa does, including her family's economic status, her dark skin color, her skin is much darker than Rosa's, and her being a teenage mother. She got pregnant a few months after her arrest by a man 10 years older than her. Um, as we know now, Alabama has a thing with older men going after teenage girls, so there's that. Um, anyway, Claudette didn't really fit the perfect image of a hero of the movement, if you will, as Rosa did. Uh, she is a hero, though. Years after her arrest, she was the star witness in the Browder v. Gale case, which ruled that segregation on Montgomery buses was illegal. Her testimony was key in reaching that decision. The case was later affirmed by the Supreme Court, ending segregation on public transportation across the country. Um, much like the black people raised from history, who her teachers taught her about in school, uh, Claudette hasn't really gotten the recognition she deserves, um, but she's still around. She's 78, and hopefully we'll get to see that change someday. So, so that's what I got on Claudette Colvin. That kind of blows my mind that she's 78. Like, you think, like, that was a long time ago, and then you think, no, yep. not really. Yeah. So, Wow. We did talk about her at our women's trivia night. We did. Yes. Yeah. We have to do another trivia night. Yeah, it was fun. I still have got like 40 questions we didn't use. So. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. So, Alyssa, where can people find us on social media? <laughs> <laughs> um, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, now for National Organization for Women. They can also find us on our website which is mcmdnow.org. And you can join our chapter at mcmdnow.org slash join. Awesome. Yes. And if you like our podcast, please rate it five stars to help other people find it. Uh, you can leave a review. Um, on this week's episode, you can write, Thank you, Claudette Colvin. Also, thank you, Lorianne. And thank you, Lorianne, yes. <laughs> um, either one or both. Yeah, you both. can thank them both. Yeah. Um, so, I guess until next week. Bye. Bye.